I am Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Did you know that women control 85% of national spending? $7 trillion annually. And yet, women earn 20% less than men, $500 billion. Well, today's guest is on a mission to change that. Jill Trimmel is leading IWillCloseTheGap.com to empower those who want an active role in creating gender diversity and equality. She has a great story that drives her passion for this work. As you'll hear, there was a pivotal moment in her journey of promotion after promotion and being the only woman at the table in a male-dominated industry when she asked herself, what have I changed? In other words, she reflected on an issue important to her, pay equality. And she says, I had to do something. I felt compelled to drive change. And even though she doesn't have all the answers, and as she says, her fear often rears its head to hold her back, she keeps going. She's doing important work. Check out her story. I was recruited into a TPA company that was still in the insurance industry, but it would be a completely different role. And again, just an opportunity to expand my knowledge and um, talents. So I took that opportunity and really grew the company exponentially in a short period of time and relied on a lot of the relationships and my own reputation that I had developed within the insurance industry. That's probably where I made one of my first big missteps because I didn't fully understand uh, the operational structure and processes of the company as I should have. And um, we had some significant service failures. And at that time, I just, I backed up, I put together an operational marketing, a strategic plan, you know, really from every component of the company and presented it to the owners and, you know, I said, I'm, I'm, I feel like I need to lead this and we need to do it this way or I'm going to have to move on. And so willingly, they empowered me to just restructure the organization, build teams and different departments, develop strategy and execute. The, the experience there was phenomenal. You know, through that experience, I will say, a lot of it, even though it was strategic and operational, I still, the majority of my interactions were with other insurance carriers and their leadership. So I continuously found myself being the only woman at the table. It really didn't think much about it because at that point it was just, it was my life. It's how it always was. And, um, you know, there were many men throughout those years that I had great respect for and I, and I for and I learned a lot from. Uh, at that point, after eight years at um, that company, I was recruited by a large international insurance company, and I was a little hesitant to take that because they were intentionally seeking a woman to fulfill a quota that the CEO out of Australia had mandated 
relative to senior or executive leadership roles within the company. And I was also hesitant because I had read in the Australian news that they might be selling a half a, selling a half a billion dollars of their um, revenue source. So I took the opportunity and I did it. And um, again, you know, same story. I learned a lot. It was a wonderful experience. And um, they did sell. <laughs> and, you know, last one in, first one out. And after leaving that company, I decided to take a little time uh, with my family and friends and reconnect because I think we all know that it's you don't attain those positions and that progression without investing a significant amount of your time. And you make a lot of sacrifices along the way. So I chose to take a deep breath and um, kind of reflect, you know, thoroughly on where my next path was going to be. So after two months, one of my uh, associates that I had worked with at QBE reached out to me. She's a principal in a consulting firm out of Manhattan and asked me if I would be interested in, um, you know, working with them with a software company down in Florida. And I had decided August 1st, I was going to get back in it. And they wanted me to fly down August 1st. So I thought, this is meant to be. I'm going to do this. I got down there. And I, and I should say that at the same time, I was in a book club and I was reading a book by Gail Collins titled When Everything Changed, The Amazing Journey of American Women from 1960 to the Present. I don't know if you've read that book, but it created a lot of reflection within my, me just on how I really over the last 20 years had went with the flow and played the game and you know, did what I needed to do to succeed, maybe being dismissive of things that in hindsight, I, I shouldn't have been, but that's, that's easy to do. So, you know, I fly down to Florida, sitting in a room for 12 hours um, around a beautiful board table and about six, maybe eight hours in, I just had this epiphany, like, what have I changed? You know, I've negotiated great employment contracts and I can say I've never felt like there was um, that I personally experienced a, a gender pay gap. I, I may have. I, I didn't feel like I had. I, you know, I didn't have any resentment towards that throughout my years. I felt confident that I had done what I needed to do during that. During my career, I had also mentored other women and coached them on negotiating and understanding their value. But as I sat there, I thought, here I am again, the only woman at the table. And what have I really changed? And when I got home, I, I started researching. I really spent a lot of time just looking at different sources and wanting to I wanted to validate that I had changed something. I wanted to get rid of that feeling and I wanted to, you know, release the feelings that the book had created that maybe I, I should have done things differently and to help the gender pay gap. Well, what it came down to is that I really hadn't changed anything. I realized that the gender pay gap was actually stagnant for uh, the last two years. And um, that was the first time in decades that we had not made any progression at all. 
So I decided that I was going to do something, that I had to do something. I just felt compelled to create change. And when I started to, you know, network in women's groups and um, go to different conferences and try to really reconnect with with female professionals because the majority of my professional relationships were with men. There were a lot of amazing stories, and I was definitely inspired. But one of my takeaways and one of the elements that I believe drove my success through my career is that I am an actionable person. I stories are great. But, uh, you know, they don't get anything done. I mean, they, you, a lot of times it's not a tangible result. And I'm a bottom line, tangible result, let's create larger margin, lower expenses type of professional. So I really thought about how I could impact it. And I decided that if I could harness the control that women have in this country and create transformational power or leverage on organizations that that we spend this $7 trillion on, that it would create a tangible change. So that's my goal. So you, in your research, you, you learned that women control 85% of national spending. And so you were Confused then, like, well, how does that add up if women earn 20% less? Tell us about that connection. Well, to me, it was, it was simple math. We have the control. You know, I just, it was startling, but I thought here, there's no reason with this type of control, $7 trillion a year, that we should be making $500 billion less. And the stories weren't making, they're not shifting that margin. Yeah. What do you attribute that? You said the gender pay gap stagnant for the last two years. What do you attribute that to with all of the awareness and all of the research and all of the the writing about the pay gap? So, (laughs) you know, I feel this is, this is, you know, part of, I deliver speech, uh, a speech on, um, I will close the gap. And part of it is, I, I think we've created our own trap. Um, I think we're all feeling empowered in these rooms and at these conferences with each other. And we're feeling warm and fuzzy. And we, you know, we feel empowered to take personal individual action and maybe negotiate three percent more on that raise or you know we're, we're helping each other but the women like you and I we're a small piece of this gap I don't think it resonates with many people that this gap is present at fast food restaurants at hotels big hotel chains uh, you know this is about people making minimum wage, making $20 an hour. This is not, I think a lot of people see this fight. So, you know, people like Sheryl Sandberg, you know, can, can make a couple extra million dollars a year. So they don't buy into it. They don't understand the broad spectrum of impact. And so I I share with people, if we close the gender pay gap, 
you know, we're not allowing um, a, a female president of a company to get that extra bonus or maybe, you know, uh, I don't, you, you know, what I'm like add on um, benefits or I don't want to go into like what we can all add on because it's not about that. It's about if we close the gap from the bot from the top to the bottom, you know, one statistic I found is that we bring 2.5 million children up out of poverty. And I, I really think that that's, we've just become stagnant because I say it didn't move for two years, but then over the last 10 years, it's only moved 2.7%. So it's not like we've had a major movement or a momentum at any point in the past decades or of the recent decades. But I think that there is a challenge for like the for all women to come together and realize that this is all of our issues. It's not just and and men too. And I think you know in the there I have um a fact from uh, Pew Research shows that seventy seven percent of women believe our country need to change towards gender equality. I mean that's pretty good. But you look at men, there's 63% of men that believe it too. I really just don't think that the 77% and the 63%, I don't think they know what they can do. And I don't, and nobody, I don't see anybody giving them or providing a tool to say, you know what, you can make choices in your everyday life. You can choose, you know, your toothpaste, your financial advisor, your executive coach, your um, accountant, your, you know, there's so many choices that we spend our money on men and women. If we truly believe this, then we need to intentionally spend and they can take an active role in it. And I don't, I don't think people realize that. And so they're not doing it. And that's why it's not moving. Yeah. I think, you know, it's easy to talk about it and complain about it and that's not right. And but yeah, but what are the actionable steps I can t- take to move the needle? So what can we do? So, you know, what I challenge people to do in this beginning stages of I Will Close the Gap is to do just that. Look at your personal bench first. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. Look at your personal bench. You know, who are you buying your car from? Who's your dentist? Who's your doctor? Who's your... And, and make sure that you're demonstrating equality personally. So as I'm, I build, as I'm building, I will close the gap. It's going to be a platform where we look at corporations like Unidial or I'm sorry, Unilever, for example, they have 41% gender equality in their executive, executive team. So choose Suave deodorant, Dove deodorant, choose to buy their products as opposed to Procter and Gamble, who has six percent less, you know, we may think, well, that six percent isn't much. Well, if we if we close the gap six percent, that's a lot. What's six percent of seven trillion dollars? Six percent is a lot, and it's about creating pressure. I think we we can go back and look at Melinda Gates' campaign and her one billion dollars that she's donating to close the gap. Her number three is to find ways to apply pressure to organizations that are not driving towards gender equality. So we have to reward those that are and walk away from those that are not. 
And I understand brand loyalty and that that's not an easy ask. You know, use Colgate instead of Crest or, you know, seek out companies that demonstrate gender equality. Yeah. So it's being thoughtful about just like we're thoughtful about the food that we eat and where it comes from, being thoughtful about all the services and the products that we're consuming. Where are they coming from? What's the organization that creates the product or service? What's important to them? What's uh, what's the best way to find that information? Is it just simple Google searches, doing some research? What do you think is the best way? Well, that is why I am working with venture capitalists. Right now, I'm building uh, funding to create IWillCloseTheGap.com into a functional platform to resource those options to people. Because, Andrea, right now, it's not easy to find. I'm looking at securities, their SEC reports, and literally going through and building spreadsheets on what percent are female and what percent are male on their boards, on their executive teams. And then, you know, I can't, it's, it's a little tedious because I can't, you know, some names you, you don't know. So then you have to go to Google images or LinkedIn and identify who they are. And I'm, you know, there's technology that I'm building through, um, you know, Flowbot and Workflow and that will create an automated an automated way to do that in the future. But until then, it, it's just, it's going to be baby steps until I can get this off the ground. I'm extremely excited for the meetings I've had recently. The people that are interested in helping me lift this off the ground has been overwhelming. I'm, I'm extremely grateful and I'm very encouraged that it's going to be sooner than later. So what's your vision? Three years, five years from now, what does I will close the gap look like? So right now I'm actually building a proof of concept. I'm fortunate that I work with Kelly School of um, Business through IUPUI in their program, Advancing Indie Women. So that has opened up a lot of resources for me. And, And Dr. Saxton has actually, she's a professor there. She has helped me develop a proof of concept model just to get, you know, the initial proof of concept off the ground. Because the biggest barrier here is going to be, can we get these women and men to leave their brands to close the gap? Is closing the gender pay gap more important? I'm, I'm betting that it is. So we're, I'm planning to get that off the ground in January. So we'll have a small sample of probably 2,000 users. And I will have a beta site that will feed probably five main products and services that we spend our money on and uh, with links that they can purchase. And then we'll track throughout that period if it is plausible, which I do believe it is. So that then Funding will ideally come through in the second quarter of 2020, and then we'll begin building it. I mean, my goal would be by beginning of 2021, at least have an initial platform and prioritize it by uh, what products are purchased the most. I mean, we look at toothpaste, toilet paper, laundry detergent. You know, there's a significant amount of money spent 
just on those products annually. And what are the organizations, Jill, that um, that really honor gender equality that we should be buying from? Well, Unilever is one. They are outstanding. And Colgate-Palmolive is another one. Tom's, which is a subsidiary, but that's another brand I'd like to throw out there. And you can follow IWillCloseTheGap.com on Instagram, Facebook. I'm revving up the LinkedIn page soon and um, Twitter. And I work with students. They're actually taking this initiative to uh, their competition. They're members of DECA, which is a high school organization for students that are going to be business professionals or entrepreneurs. So they're helping me feed those social campaigns with ideas on where to buy your makeup. You know, shop at Alta. The female CEO is knocking it out of the park. She's focusing on gender equality, not just to make sure that, you know, women are paying equal, but she doesn't want to take it to the other side. You know, we, we, I, I don't want men to suffer from this. I have two young boys. This is not about women taking over the world. This is about women being equal. It's about equality. Yeah. And it's what's about fair. equality. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then with the, the complete vision, I'd like to have, um, you know, there'll be three tiers, the functional website, where uh, men and women can find female professionals as well as companies that demonstrate gender equality. But then I'm um, also looking to develop a certification. So when you're in the grocery store or you're buying through, let's say, walmart.com or you're in Whole Foods, that you can see this little, like, like you look for organic certified, or I think, you know, good housekeeping has a certification. So I want to develop an I will close the gap certification that companies can earn to place on their products and labels. So when we are out there, it makes these simple day-to-day decisions for people that want to have an active role. And then the third tier will be a a consulting piece for companies that have a genuine desire to, you know, create an organization with equality. And they just really don't know how, because it's not easy or else it would be, would probably be closer by now. So have a, you know, have a separate arm that can go in and work with organizations and help them get there. Yeah, because they don't know what to do and need that support. And I'm I'm so glad to see the the emergence of a lot of great talent being able to do that consulting work. That's good. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, just in the Indianapolis area alone, we have some amazing leaders here that are driving, you know, they've been driving this for years. And um and that collective math really helps helps move the needle, doesn't it? Absolutely. At least create awareness, you know? Yes. Well, and that's where it starts. It does. That's where it starts. And then we make thoughtful choices as a result of that awareness, which is the message that you're sending. As you know, this podcast is about leadership and you have no doubt such an inspiring vision and that came out of you recognizing, looking around like, what have I changed? So I'm curious about your leadership lessons through this process. Like what, what, would, what would you say, Jill, is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself as a leader over the last few years going through this, creating IWillCloseTheGap.com? 
You know, I realized that I don't ask for help as much as I should. Like, as I've been really sharing my voice and opinions more on this and realizing that people are hungry to engage, I was leery because I just am gathering more information right now and I'm not as knowledgeable as I had been throughout my business career. So I've been hesitant to share and ask people for help because I feel like I should know more. There's so much to know and so much knowledge to, to intake. I've been trying to, you know, become, you can't become an expert overnight, right? And even though, you know, I'm not there, I have to just um, share the idea and share this concept with people. And as I become more comfortable doing that and more comfortable with not knowing, it's opened up a lot of doors. And that was a valuable lesson. Yeah. And I think that 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 fear of, oh, gosh, I don't have all the answers. Like those are the things that keep people from driving important change. So I appreciate you even though this is in the development phase, because it's never end, right? You'll, you'll, there'll never be a day with, okay, I'm done with that. It's always evolving. I appreciate you in the phase that you're in being courageous enough to say, here's what I've got right now that gets the ball rolling. So thank you for that. Because, thank you. Because that, I think, you know, when you, when you settle into higher level positions, you do become strategic and, and you play that role of depending on people to, to know things that you don't know, have information that you don't know, but, but you have your tribe and you know, who knows and you, you know, absolutely. No, I, I so get that. And when you're in a space of psychological safety, right? It's, those are the situations in which it's easier to say like, oh gosh, I really don't know. I don't have the words for this, but I am so fired up about it. Yeah. I've never sought venture capital money before or funding or, um, built a software platform. I've implemented it, you know, but I've not built it. I know how you can, but I'm not. Yes. But you care about something like that's, that's inspiring. And it's something that needs to change. And so you're going for it. You're going, I'm for, it. going for it, Andrea. <laughs> you're going for it. I'm so glad you are. Thank you. You've mentioned, you said, I will close the gap.com. You said to follow that on social media. So certainly we can do that. What are other ways to connect with you, Jill? No doubt you'll fire up some of our audience members. If they want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? You know, connect with me on LinkedIn, build a dialogue. If anybody's out there and they're interested in supporting this, or they want information, or they have information that can feed me connect with me, reach out to me and, you know, let's do this together. Well, I'm walking away from our conversation inspired. I mean, you, you clearly have a mission that you're passionate about. And so you're pushing through some of the insecurities around not having all the info, making it happen, doing what you can with what you have, where you are. So thank you for that. I'm so glad that you, you were on the show. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.